episode 97 of the Bowery Capital Startup Sales Podcast. Welcome back to the Bowery Capital Startup Sales Podcast. Today's topic is going to be discussing coaching your employees through their career path. Here with us to discuss this topic is Trenton Truitt, the SVP of Sales and Customer Success at WiseLine. Welcome to the show, Trenton. Hey, good morning, Lauren. Thank you for having me. Yeah, it's great to have you on. So, you know, before we jump in today, can you give us a quick summary of your background? Yeah, happy to. So I'm, you know, I've been very fortunate. I've been in sales for, uh, you know, <laughs> many years going back to the PTC days. I started in technology at a company called Parametric Technology Corporation. We sold CAD CAM to, you know, from Fortune 500 to mom and pop shops. And I uh, started my career there and learned a lot about sales process and forecasting and, and working as a team and uh, loved my time there. I spent three and a half years there, again, selling to big companies, multi-million dollar deals to semiconductor companies to working in the Central Valley of California, selling across the desk to machine shop owners. And it was a great place to cut my teeth and to sell technology on based on value and you know value out of the customer. From there, I went to a startup company called Acera, and we changed our story many times. It was right at the end of the dot-com bubble. And so we had a ton of funding and a ton of employees, and it flew right into the ground. From Acera, you know, I met... I met some amazing people, <clears throat> and it's it's funny how you're you look back on your career and, and who you meet and where and the the lifelong relationships that you forge. And some of those individuals went to a company called Documentum, and uh, they recruited me over to Documentum, and and I started out there as a sales rep, you know, carrying a bag, carrying a quota, was promoted to a player coach, which meant that I had my own territory and I managed someone and then to a sales manager, which I meant, which meant that I only had a few reps and then to a director, uh, which was fantastic. And, and then promoted to, um, a vice president position. So I spent about seven, seven and a half years at Documentum, amazing people, amazing technology developed again, just real true lifelong relationships as you're, uh, as you're all working together. From there, I went to a startup company, and my first real seat at the table, so to speak, was Accelerator, and I joined Accelerator, and they were we were about a I don't know about a million dollars in revenue, and took them to about 13, 14 million dollars in revenue in two and a half years, and you know learned a lot there in terms of building out the sales teams and sales process, and we had uh, we left about a half million developers worldwide developing uh, mobile apps, so it was kind of fun to be part of that of that explosion. It was the first tech job that my niece actually understood what I did, which was develop <laughs> mobile apps. And then from Accelerator, uh, I went to a company called PagerDuty. And PagerDuty uh, is based in San Francisco, a phenomenal company that helps uh, organizations, um, you know, reduce the amount of downtime that they have. You know, downtime is extremely expensive to organizations in the world that we live in today. And uh, the growth there was uh, was tremendous and had a lot of fun building out, again, the sales teams, the sales processes, what's our demo script, what are our demo scripts look like, who are we calling when, you know, the buyer personas, 
building out the rest of the e-staff team. That was a lot of fun. And from pager duty, I joined a company called Wiseline, which I'm a part of now. And, uh, you know, taking the lessons that I've learned over the last 20 years and applying those to Wiseline. And we've had, you know, knock on wood, tremendous growth. And again, building out teams and, and processes and making sure that we deliver value to our clients. And it's been a great run. It's been almost two years now, Lauren. It's time flies. Absolutely. Thank you. And, and can you just tell our listeners, for those who might not be familiar, just a little bit about what Wiseline does? You know, it's in a word or in a phrase, I would say that, that Wiseline, we sell innovation. And what we do is we help companies understand what products and features they should put in their, in their solutions. But also we provide the, the people to help go do that. So it's really a people process and technology company. And so we have uh, technology that helps companies understand, again, what those features and functionalities should be in their products, which is very difficult to do and provide a SaaS-based roadmap for those decisions. But then what happens is most companies don't have you know, the engineers. I call it engineer poverty. They don't have the teams to actually develop the solutions they want to bring to market. Right. And so what we do is we bring, um, we bring a engineering methodology and development process to those organizations and deliver solutions for them. So we have engineering centers in Guadalajara, Mexico, in Mexico City, Mexico, obviously, and in Ho Chi Minh City. And we'll be opening up uh, Europe later this year. Perfect. That's very exciting. Uh, so one last question before we jump in today. Uh, we ask all of our podcast listeners this, which is, can you share with us one thing that no one on this podcast would know about you? <laughs> uh, what, let's see. It's, it's starting to leak out, but it, at one point in my career, so I went to the, I went to the Maritime Academy and um, I had to pay for most of the education myself. And so I needed to go to work. So I started working for the Blue and Gold Fleet in San Francisco. And if you've ever been to Pier 39 in the city and taking a taking a bay cruise, you know, under the Golden Gate Bridge, around Alcatraz, under the Bay Bridge, along the city front, and back to Pier 39, that's the Blue and Gold Fleet. And, you know, I started, you know, working midnight maintenance, which means that I would, you know, work on engines, work on the bilges, repair car, you know, replace carpets, clean bathrooms, uh, and do, you know, all that kind of work. And then work my way up to be a captain for them. So at one point in my career, I was a professional boat captain on San Francisco Bay doing the tours. We would do dinner dance cruises and then the Oakland, you know, driving the, the ferry for the Oakland Alameda run, which was, I've learned some amazing life lessons uh, as a boat captain. Very, very fortunate, again, to be around people that uh, that cared about me and cared about what we were doing and and it was a it was it was a great lesson. So yeah, I was a professional boat captain, and most people don't don't uh, don't realize that. Wow, that is that's one of the better fun facts I've ever heard. Well, all right, <laughs> I, 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 I am competitive, so that's good, Lauren. I like that. <laughs> Reminds me a bit of uh, Have you seen the movie The Breakup with Vince Vaughn, where he's uh, he's like a captain of one of the tour boats in Chicago? Uh huh. I'm imagining that as you tell me the story. Well, I don't know, it's it's nice to be in good company with Vince Vaughn. That guy's that guy's <laughs> a rock star. 
All right, so with that in mind, let's jump into today's topic. So look, I mean, I think this topic of we're going to cover both, you know, mentoring and and perspectives of the mentee. And I think you're the perfect person to talk about this topic, just given your trajectory and your success in sales and being on both sides of this equation. So, you know, just to kick it off here, I'd just like to start by asking you, why is mentoring and coaching so important to you? Yeah, so... Well, again, I think you said it. You said it right. There are two. There are two sides to the, to the to the mentorship coin. There's the mentor and the mentee. And maybe I could speak about from the mentee side, um, why that's why mentorship's been important to me when people really have have helped me, and, you know, what I've learned, Lauren, is mentorship is hard work, uh, and and it's hard work, primarily on the mentee because they're the one that. You know, the mentor is going to give you some great advice, but then you have to take action on it um, and you have to follow up on that. And if I look back at the people in my career that uh, have been really impactful to me and there's if I started naming them, I'd, I'd miss somebody and, and, and that wouldn't be fair. But these people, they get to know you and they hold you accountable you know, they challenge you. It's a, it's a safe place. You can say, look, man, I really messed this up. Right. And and you can, you know, typically have these conversations without fear of any type of politics or drama or anything else. It's someone that you really trust that you can, you know, sit there and say, look, I I really screwed this up. What do you think? Or how would you manage, you know, how how would you approach this? Or this is where I want to go. What, What do you think I'm lacking right now? And you have to have, you have to be humble and you have to, you have to listen. Um, and then finally you have to take action. So, you know, three things there would be, you know, you got to be humble and, and be able to admit your mistakes and, and admit where you're, I won't say weak, but where you need improvement. Um, and, uh, and you have to take, and then the third one would be, you've got to take action on it. And, um, and that's key. And I tell you, you know, I've, the conversations I've had with people have been truly amazing to me. You know, I, ha- I had a situation where I was learning how to drive a boat, and I've, I've talk, I talk a lot about this, where I was, the, boat, the boat was in trouble. I, I, wasn't, I wasn't driving it right, and I was training to be a captain. And <clears throat> the captain had to jump in and save me from hitting another boat. And he looks at me, he goes, are you okay? Are you all right? And I said, yeah, I'm Scoop. I got to tell you, I think I'm a Scoop. I go, look, I'm, uh, I'm really nervous right now. And he goes, you know what? <clears throat> nervous is good. If you told me you were scared, you're not ready. If you, you, know, you tell me you're nervous, it means you're on top of your game. And what he said next had a profound impact on me. He said, you have to drive the boat. You can't let the boat drive you. If it needs some rudder, give it some rudder. If it needs some engine, give it some engine. And that really stuck with me, and that applies to mentorship and, and, and being a mentee, right? If, if someone tells me, look, I want to I go be a CEO, and they tell me I need to go do these three things, and I don't do that, then I'm not driving my career. I'm not driving my agenda, and that's not acceptable. And what a mentor will do is call you out on that. Say, hey, look, we sat down six months ago, and you were going to go do these three things. You only did one of them. What's up? 
you know, oh, well, I've got, you know, this came up or, you know, I'm traveling a lot or whatever it is. And they'll look through those quote unquote excuses and peel back the ones that are, that are real and, and call you on the carpet on the ones that aren't. And having that relationship is really important if you want to continue to do more and impact more people, Lauren. Absolutely. And so, you know, how, how formal or informal should this whole mentoring be? You know, that's a good question, right? <clears throat> I, I, when people ask me, Trenton, will you be my mentor? It, it's, it's, uh, I don't know. That's not the conversations I've had. I guess that's not true. I had a conversation with somebody once. I'm like, will you be my mentor? And it was just, it wasn't right. It, you know, there's a, <clears throat> by, by mentorship happens, there's, that I believe is less formal. Now I've seen in some of the larger organizations like, oh, look, you know, this gentleman or this, this woman executive is going to be your mentor and this is why, and that's fine too. But I think what, I think what you do is you find people that you want to emulate or that you think you can learn something from and you get to know them and you form a relationship and that relationship, you know, uh, ends up being, you know, mentorship as an example, scoop, who taught me to drive the boat, not, you know, boat drive, drive me. That was, I would call that a mentorship moment. And I never asked him to be a mentor. Right. Right. So, the, these conversations, they happen over time, Lauren, and, and you develop relations with these people and you want to have a relationship with them because you want them to know who you are and what you're about so they can help. It's not about telling people you need to go do this. It's trying to understand as a mentor, trying to understand what does this mentee really want to do? And it's about pulling that out of them and then, and then playing that back to them so they can hear it. <clears throat> and that happens when you have a relationship with someone. Does that, does that resonate? Yep. Yeah, yeah, that absolutely resonates. So I think, you know, for, for our discussion purposes, we're talking about the informal kind. Um, because, you know, to me, I think that's more interesting and oftentimes more impactful and <clears throat> helpful for mentees in their career um, than sort of the more formal process that might go on within a company. So let's just to clarify, we're talking about the informal kind. Yeah. Okay, great. So, so along those lines, um, I think a place where a lot of the younger generation does struggle is, um, is sort of in uh, initially developing these relationships. You know, how can, can you maybe walk us through a few examples of some some people that you are a mentor to now and how they those relationships initially started sure you know i think it starts with um i think it starts with a mutual respect and a mutual understanding of of each other right um and people at different stages of their career um you know, as I, as I, as I look back, I, I get a lot, I have a lot of joy and, and, and receive a lot of gratification in, in working with people again, to understand what they want to go do and help them go do it. But it starts with the mutual, <clears throat> mutual respect, Lauren. 
So as I'm speaking to someone, I'm like, okay, this person, you know, is, is, uh, they're, they're going to work hard. They're a great team player. They, um, you know, I call it thirsty horses. You know, you can, you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make them drink as they say. Yeah. I, I'm looking for thirsty horses. People are going to put their head down and drink. And, you know, it doesn't have to be, you know, Harvard or Stanford or anybody else, right? It's, it can be people that are, you know, um, that come from a strong, you know, background of hard work. You know, I call it a blue-collar work ethic in a white-collar world. And they want to work hard and execute. And that's that's where I think it starts. And you have that mutual respect. Um, you know, the... The relationships that I have now, um, you know, I try to, you know, I've had people show a lot of emotion to me too, and I find them apologizing for it. And I tell them, go, look, don't apologize to me. The fact that you're showing me emotion, I take as a compliment. And, you know, really the, the, the sessions <clears throat> are, excuse me, are not, are not, uh, are not scheduled. I'll have lunch with some people that I've, that have been reps on my team. You know, that's, I had that we're, we're an SCR. And then when I hired them, I hired them as an inside sales position. And now they've been promoted. You know, I have, it's so great to, to see this is, this is where I get the, the biggest gratification of my day is when, um, I see people that, uh, I've either promote people at the office, right. From SDR to customer success or SDR to HR SER inside sales, inside sales to outside sales, you know, manager to director, you know, seeing reps that I've hired in the past who have gone, helped them, you know, been a reference for them in other companies and then watch them move up the ladder and they reach out and say, hey, Trent, let's grab lunch. You know, I just got promoted. You know, that, that is, that's fantastic. And to be able to have, you know, to be able to see people grow and learn Again, you'll find most it brings the most it brings most mentors a lot of satisfaction. So it takes different forms, Lauren. It could be weekly one on ones I have with people, right? That I'm working with now. It could be a quarterly or every six months meet someone for lunch. Uh, right. That that they might have they might have a question on things, and I do the same. I have people that I sit down with every quarter and every six months and just check in. Right. Yeah. And I also find that the most people think the mentor mentee uh, is is uh, one is vastly superior or vastly, you know, more experienced than the other. And that that there's a lot of truth to that. But also I sit down with people that are my peers and you know, hey, what are you seeing here? What do you think about this? You know, I'm doing this right now. Does that make sense to you? Is that a logical move? Would you make that chess move? And that, and 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 you're leaning on each other in that one hour lunch. Does that make sense? And, it, yeah. and it's and it's just two, you know, it's just two executives getting together saying, the undertone is, look, I trust you. Um, I've got some things I need to I need to think out loud with. You are uniquely qualified to understand what I'm going through. What do you think? And I value those conversations as well. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And so let's talk a little bit about, you know, once, you know, someone has identified a mentor, you know, what should, what will be expected of them? And how much work is this aside once you've identified this person and you 
you want to develop a relationship with them. So, <clears throat> yeah, you know, the, what I try to do, you know, if someone wants, if someone's saying to me, Trenton, I want to be eventually, you know, a, a, a VP of sales. Well, that's great. And it's, it's great that you have that goal. Let's talk about what we need to accomplish this quarter, this six months and this year. That's a stepping stone to get you to where you want to go. And it could be that could be a director that's getting close to being a VP. Um, it could be an inside salesperson that wants to be a VP and it could be an SDR earlier in their career. And what I always share with the team is, look, you have to execute in the chair you're in to even have an opportunity to get to the next level. So let's make sure that you're executing the chair you're in, but I'm also helping you think about the next step. And so that might be, you know, um, why don't you take a look? Why don't you read this? Why don't you go to this? Um, why don't you go check out this event? I'll introduce them to someone in my network to go to go speak with. And, um, and so they have to go execute, you know, again, in their day job, so to speak, with an eye in the future. And that's work, Lauren. That's not easy to do. Right. And then I'll call them on the carpet. If, and, I, and I'll call them on the carpet and not a, I'm not coming at them. I'm just trying to point out to them and to hold them accountable to themselves, really, because it's their career if they're executing or not. Right. So, I mean, it, so this is much more than just kind of building a relationship with someone. I mean, you're almost asking this person to, in, in sort of a friendly way, hold you accountable and, and help you kind of focus in on the right path to get you to where you want to be. Is that a right, is that a good kind of summary? Yeah, it's a, it's, it's a great, it's a great summary. You know, I have a one-on-one -on -one with someone on my team right now. And my conversation with this individual every week is, I have, I have two things I'm trying to get him to focus on. One is working on the business, not in the business. And that's a difficult transition for anybody to make. I had a hard time with it. Uh, most, a lot of entrepreneurs have a hard time with it. It's, it's hard to let go and to delegate things. So that's, so, you know, walk me through some examples of how you worked on the business this week and not in the business. Mm -hmm. um, and the second thing, um, you know, I work with people on is, you know, are you being, um, you know, a, a nice woman or a good woman, right? Are you being a nice guy or a good guy? You know, right. what, how are you, are you getting walked all over and you're saying yes to everything? Or are you pushing back in the appropriate ways, saying no to the appropriate things to make sure that you or you and your team or you and your company are driving the direction you want to take it? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And I can't, I mean, that's, that's just, those are real, those are a little, little hard, a little more, a little more difficult to, to put a number to, right. To the metrics. But, um, that's some of the, that's some of the softer stuff that we talk about. Absolutely. And then a little bit on more of the accountability side. I mean, let's dig in a little bit on the metrics piece. You know, what, what should, what should these people be thinking about or how should they be managing themselves? Like, is that an important component as well? Well, it is, you know, it is. And, but mentorship, you know, as a, you know, I'm just speaking through the sales lens, 
you, you know, you can mentor people other than salespeople, right? So I've had a lot of conversation with engineers and product teams and customer success and delivery. And, you know, the conversation like, look, how are you doing in your day job? How are you, how are you performing? And it's, it's important to understand that as well, right? Because that directs the conversation. Like, you know what? I'm just, I'm not getting it done right now. And I don't know why. Well, let's, let's dig into that. Why aren't you getting it done? What's holding you back, right? Is it, is it you or do you not have the, the, the tools you need? You know, what is it? Um, and so, yes, the metrics, the metrics count. I'm not going to go down in every single metric with them, right? That's for them to understand. But from the highest level, you know, how's your business performing? You know, where do you have, where do you, where are you having some headwinds that you might need some help on? That's important, Lauren, to understand because some people will sit there and they're like, look, I want to go be a VPS. I want to go as, as an SDR. I want to be an inside salesperson. Or I want to be the SDR manager. Well, that's great. You're not making your phone calls, and you're not you're not hitting your SQO goals, mm-hmm. right? And so, I, look, we can talk about that, but you're not putting the effort in. And then they're then if that's happening, then it's they're wasting their time and my time, quite frankly. Right. So I want to talk a little bit about things from the mentor side. I mean, we've dug in a bit on the mentees, but as a mentor to to a lot of people, you know, how do you, how do you think about, you know, specifically for, for people who are on your team working at WiseLine for you, you know, you must be thinking in the back of your head, you know, that yes, you want to mentor them, but you also want to make sure you're empowering some of the more junior salespeople or, you know, making sure you're fostering a sense of autonomy and accomplishment. So, you know, when you're having these discussions, what, what is it you're thinking about or what are the, some of the things you're saying to, to get these points across? Well, I think I'm being, I mean, I, I'd like to think I'm having the conversation now, right? <laughs> you know, there's, there's, if there was a secret to it, I, I'd tell you, you know, um, I tell them, look, you have to execute the chair you're in or you're not going to be even considered for the next opportunity. Um, so we can talk about, why you are or why you're not executing in the chair you're in. Um, so happy to do that. Uh, you know, are you working in or on your business right now and why? And the conversations vary depending on, you know, who you're interfacing with, Lauren. But, um, you know, it's, I don't know how to answer your question, really. I mean, I, I, I'm, yeah. <laughs> it's fair. I mean, I think, like, you're just... <laughs> You're just honest with them and you're, you're giving the best advice you can, which is a perfectly acceptable answer there. Yeah. And if they're, look, and I'll too, if they're on my team and they're struggling, then I'm going to bring in, you know, uh, their leader and I'm going to bring in their leader's leader and I'm going to bring in the CEO to help these people. And, you know, we're going to surround our people with help. But again, Thirsty horses, Lauren, if people don't want to put their head down and drink and do the work, I can't, that's a problem that I cannot solve. Mm-hmm. You know, I can give the best opportunities, the best comp plan, you know, the best facilities, the best lunches, the best culture. We can devise all of that. But if people don't want to put their head down and get the work done, I, there's just not room for them on the team. Right. 
that, so, that's the reality of it. You know, so kind of to your point there, you, you, you provide them with the tools. So I want to dig in a little bit on that. I mean, what are your thoughts around sort of more formal training? And is that something that's beneficial for salespeople? Is that something that you implemented at Wiseline? It, it, sales training is extremely important. And sales training, I think, comes in, in, formal, in, in formal ways. As an example, you know, put the team through Sandler training, which we're doing, you know, shortly. Um, sure. And informal in, in the forecast calls. And that's where a lot of the curbside coaching comes in, where you're reviewing deals and opportunities. And, and that's where a lot of the, uh, I think, the sales training, it's almost one-on-one. Again, the curbside coaching comes in. But yes, training is extremely important. And look, as a sales leader in, in my, my teams, customer success, sales, delivery, they are my customers. I've got to make sure that I stay ahead of them and get them what they need at the right time. And, uh, and they have to let me know what they need as well. I don't, I don't know everything of what, you know, of what they're hearing. So mm-hmm. it's a good partnership. And then I have to take that to the CEO and others and go, look, this is what we have to go do if we want to move the needle. So you have to be a big champion for your teams for, for sure. Right. Absolutely. And I'm just curious and might be interesting to some of our listeners what other training tools or, or even software do you guys use or what are some of the things that you really like? Yeah, interesting. You know, I, we haven't really, I've never really used software sales training solutions, I don't think. Mm-hmm. You know, just. Do you focus more on like collateral or, or, or is it all kind of in person? Like what's been the most successful for you? Well, the. The most successful for me from a sales training perspective is you have to have, you know, there's, there's product training, there's sales process training, there are, you know, uh, sales qualification questions, spin selling. I've been through a lot of those. Um, and I think if, if I were to look at how it all comes together, it typically all comes together in a tactical form, like in some of your sales playbooks, right, where you're looking at you understanding the market and then, okay, here are the buyer personas. Here are the problems that these buyers have. Here are the questions to ask those buyers to flush out the, the problems so they now recognize that they have the problems. And then here's where you take them next and here's where you take them next and here's where you take them next. That is very, very important to, to capture. And what happens is you have training, you know, your SDR leaders are training the SDRs on particular parts of that sales process on whether it be, you know, follow-up techniques or cold call techniques, or what are our 13 steps to contact someone? And then the inside sales team are of, of, okay, how do you make the transition from SQL to SQO sales qualified, you know, sales qualified lead to sales qualified opportunity. What is your sales process? Is it three steps, seven steps, nine steps? What's that look like? How do you go from step to step to step? And that's the type of training you have to go do. Um, and then, and then as you're going through forecast calls, you know, now you're getting, okay, why'd you put that in stage five when it's really stage four? And this is why, and this is, you know, let's go figure out these questions we have to go answer to go from step four to step five. And that's where a lot of the coaching comes in. That's where, you know, I almost, it's almost like the personal training, right? Where you are, uh, you're diving through your opportunities. You're diving through various things that you're working on and, you're going to learn your, your learning curve 
um, is dramatically reduced, right? And as a sales leader, you need to expedite the speed or expedite institutional learning. The entire company needs to learn. So it's not just sales. That information that you're learning about clients has to go back to marketing so they could do a better job at just that, marketing. It has to go back to product. So product can do a better job of delivering the solutions so you to take those to market. It has to go back to, you know, the VP of HR and recruiting, you're like, look, these are the people on our team that are making it and these are struggling. This is struggling, so let's maybe change our hiring profile. This is, you know, take back to the CFO where, hey, you need to get off your wallet. You need to make an investment in some things here that will, you know, if you make it a bigger investment in marketing, it's going to impact sales, et cetera. So the entire institution needs to learn. It's not just a sales thing. Absolutely. That's, that's super interesting. And so, Trenton, do you have anything else, any other tips or tricks for our listeners before we close out today? Tips or tricks? No. <laughs> <laughs> Look, there, you know, Lauren, there's no secret. Um, there is no secret. It's hard work. And um, it's also a lot of fun. So I, you know, I, I guess, look, if you're going to go work at an organization and invest you know, your most precious commodity, which is time. And you're going to be working there 50 to 60 hours a week. And then when you're not working there, you're going to be thinking about what you have to go do. So you're investing a significant amount of your, of your uh, waking moments working and thinking about your opportunity. You better really enjoy the people you work with because at the end of the day, that's what really matters. You're going to be building lifelong relationships you want to make sure you're having fun. You know, it's, it's kind of the, the three things. Right? Am I having fun? Am I making money? Am I learning something? You know, those three things that jump out for people. And who you work with is going to really, if you're mentally, if people are mentally challenging you and you're growing, check in the box. You know, you're going to make money. Okay, so check in the box. And then, you know, am I having fun? Do, these, do I want to hang out with these people? And if you can find that combination and, and again, you're a thirsty horse and you put your head down and you're going to work hard, then you're going to have a big impact on the organization, which is going to feel really, really good. And you're going to have a lot of fun. I think those are, those are some good words to live by. <laughs> well, thanks, Lauren. <laughs> well, Trenton, thank you so much for coming on the show. It was great to have you on. No, thank you, Lauren, for, for, for hosting me. It's been, it's been great to spend time with you. Absolutely.